And we are live. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mo, back with another episode of Up in Flames. Took a little bit of a hiatus, I guess a little vacation, if you want to call it. Was working elsewhere, in a sense. But I got a really special guest, of course. You've seen him before. Anybody who watches Up in Flames knows. We got the president of Off the Ball Network. My guy, I'm a, one of his assistants, if... uh. If that's what you want to call it. But I got my guy Chris in the building. Chris, what's going on, bro? Hey, always good to talk to you, Mo. Always a pleasure. You know, we've been we've been busy. We've been busy this week, man. We've been we've been doing some some really cool things this week. So um, you know, happy to be on with you, brother, and, and talk some ball. Yeah, we've been real busy. Uh I wanna to talk too much into it, but just to let everybody know, you know, it kind of both of us took a little break from our podcast to get things going. Uh, we had this new opportunity to be um, the official 2K League show uh, on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. So we've been focusing on the 2K League. Uh, it started last Wednesday, ended on Sunday, would have ended on Saturday, but some technical difficulties. They didn't launch anything yeah. on Thursday. Uh, we've been covering that every night. We're your official post-game show on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. So before we get into it, Chris, how has that been? You know, you did two nights, I did two nights. How was it, bro? Bro, it, it's it's really it's it, it it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's it's that simple. It, it's a lot of fun watching these games. It's been very entertaining. Understanding the storylines, understanding the dra- I mean, this is a real league. Like you know, the two K league is a legit basketball league. They they run it as if it is a basketball league. So that's the great part about it. And you know. The fact that we were given this opportunity, the guys from off the ball now were given an opportunity to hope to be, you know, the the, the guys for the post game show, you know, uh, on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net Radio channel. It, it's a truly an honor, and I'm excited. The regular season starts next week, next Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m. So you know, we'll we'll be there uh, after after the games conclude, Wednesday through Saturday. You know, so I'm excited about this, excited about the opportunity, excited about this season. So, uh, you know, it's 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 been it's been cool, man. It it just seems like every every week, every something we keep getting more opportunities and, uh, you know, we, we keep hitting home runs. So it's just there's more great things to come. And uh, but I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a hell of an opportunity. Um you know, you, you've been dealing with Dash Radio and the Nothing But Net channel. You got a show. Obviously, they've came to you. A few of our guys on the network have a show there. So I think we, we've been in their good graces a lot. So they graced us with this opportunity. And the only expectation is to do what we do best, and that's just create great content. So, you know, everybody who's missed it, be sure to continue to tune in every Wednesday through Saturday, immediately following uh, the closeout of the last game of the night. We'll be on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. There's never a specific time. It's just at the close of all the games uh, in the final post-game show on the 2K League live feed, which you can watch on YouTube or Twitch. So be sure to go check us out. We'll be having some of the recaps of what we did. And, you know, it, it's been an honor to be able to do it. Uh, me and Chris will be together on Wednesday doing it together. So y'all know that's going to be a great show. But, Chris, let, let's just get into today is Monday. The first, you know, the first weekend of the NBA playoffs is here. It started. And typically, what what was today, you know, anybody who watched any type of sports talk TV today, it was overreaction Monday. You know, everybody played their first game, and all of a sudden, the series are over. Um, 
Oh, I cut out for a second. Whoa. But you know, I've audio for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, the the season is over. Uh, or everybody acts like the series are over. Teams are down one zero. You know, somebody had to win. Somebody had to lose. Is game one. Uh, so what what are your overall thoughts of the weekend now that um you know the the first games have been played for everybody? What are your overall thoughts from it? Well, I mean, it started with the plan. You know that that had some exciting moments. The the first game of the of the first round, we're going to get so many overreactions, right? How many times have we seen an eight seed beat a one, you know, for game one, a seven beat a two, and 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 all that, and people freak out, right? Orlando used to be the king of that, right? Orlando would always win game one. It felt like as an eight seed or a seven seed, and then they, you know, the gentleman sweep happened. So. There's going to be a lot of that, a lot of overreaction. You, you know, people are freaking with Denver, right? I heard today, you know, people, a lot of people favorite, you know, Denver in this in the Portland series, and then they lose one game, and people are freaking out, like, oh my god, they're going to get swept and all this, and it's like, it's one game, it's one game. That first game is always a weird game because it's it's the first game, it's the first game you're going to see this team for a while, for you know, in a seven game series, and. You know, things are going to be, you know, the ball bounces weird, you know, like look at the Knicks game, you know, the corner, you know, you see, you see Trey Young, you know, drive, kick it out to the corner. RJ has it. Then he fumbles it. It goes into bogey's hand. It's a three. So little things like that happen to where, but you know, um, just like we talked about in the chat, overreaction Monday is definitely overreaction Monday and, you know, shouldn't be panicking. You know, Knicks fans are panicking and, and, you know, you have every right to be upset the way your team played. Right. So that's fine. But it's saying all oh, the season series is over and all that. We're we going to we see a lot of that. I'm sure there's Denver fans that feel. But it's like it's one game. It's one game. Let's not panic. Still got <laughs> you still got, you know, six games, maybe, you know, in the series. So that's the biggest thing of is just the overreaction of game one, which happens every year. And. Same thing this year. A lot of overreaction, but you know, some things good, some things bad on every team on all teams. But at the end of the day, it's game one. <laughs> it's one game exactly. in a seven game series. Now, if this was a five game series like it used to be back in the day, okay, maybe especially if you lose the first game at home, right? Which we saw some teams do. But you know, just too much panic. But you know, the seven game series, a lot more games to play. You know, you you know, you win that second game at home, and then you know, it's it's, it's you're right back in it. So, you know, a lot of overreaction today. Yeah, and and like you said, it's one game in a seven game series. It's a long series. I mean, you think about it. Game seven for most series don't even happen till next weekend. So we have a lot of basketball left, and they're overreacting. The biggest thing is a lot of these games were very close. Like you said, they could have went. One way or the other. They had to go another way. These games had to end. Somebody had to be a winner. Somebody had to be a loser. No matter how much of a dogfight the game was. So let's talk about the first game that falls into that category. And that's the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, The Bucks won in overtime 109 to 107. And there was a lot I noticed with that game. There was a lot wrong in that game. I think there was a lot of things in game one. That you don't expect to see any more from either team. Uh, I'm going to start with my Miami Heat. Obviously, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo had, what, their worst game as a duo that you've and seen? Jimmy and Jimmy wasn't good. And neither was Bam. I mean, they were combined 8 for 37 from the field. Both of them had four field goals apiece. 
Uh, even though Jimmy is such a dog that you look at his stats and you don't look at the field goal percentage, he had about 22 points, almost a triple-double, but he gets to the line, and he's effective elsewhere. He's a def- he's a defender. He plays great defense. He knows how he, he knows how to rally the troops and get them going. So he still makes an impact even on a bad shooting night. But Bam out of bio, he was just terrible. Like, there's no other way to put it. But then you look on the Milwaukee side, and Giannis – you look at his final stat line, and you're like, okay, he didn't play that bad, but he was 0 for 13 from any shot he took outside of the restricted area. Um, and, and I made this statement on, on breaking the game yesterday when we all got together, and I told people, I said, maybe Giannis just isn't the wing player that everybody's trying to make him out to be. I think he's a true power forward, and you look at his dominance. He dominates in the paint. He can't shoot, but it's because they try and look at Giannis in the same light as Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James, which is why you have a problem with the way Giannis plays. But if you look at him in the light of he's a Tim Duncan, maybe Kevin Garnett type of guy who who's dominates in the paint, can play a little bit outside. He has the, the handle enough for his size to go out to any strong. Obviously, he's a freak of nature. Greek freak is his name. But I just think like people were killing Giannis on the outside shots, and maybe we should be killing him on saying, He's a guy who's taking too many as opposed to we're talking about him not making them. He's just a guy that's taking too many outside shots. So what were some of the things you've seen? Because that's a lot of the things I saw wrong. What what were some of the things you've seen? Why did why did the Bucks win by two? Well, you, you hit it right on the head. The Heat's two best players didn't play well, right? And that's going to be, you know, what we see a lot, right? And when we talk about the Knicks, it was the same thing. Their best two players didn't play well, and that's the difference. You know, when the when when the other team's two best players are playing good, you know that's going to be you know uh, hard to overcome. But in this instance, the Giannis thing is, you hit it on the head. You know, he's not Kevin Durant, you know Kawhi Leonard that type. He he is a he's kind of not that he's Shaq. Because obviously he does he does a little bit more as far as but that's essentially what he is. He's someone that dominates down low, mm-hmm. and everyone wants him to be this something he's not. Everybody wants him to be KD and yep. start shooting threes. And listen, if it's there, you should be able to hit it and attempt. You know, but that's just not his game. And I feel like he's pressured into trying to do more than what he is. And I understand. When you get to the playoffs, it's different, right? And then we saw what the Miami did to them last year, right? And we saw what Toronto did to him last the year before that when they won the championship. They build that wall and all that. He just has to play his game and let and trust your other guys. Tr- you know, trust trust Middleton, trust Drew, trust Brooke to hit some outside shots. You have guys that can hit outside shots. You know, when, if PJ gets in there, he's the corner specialist, right? PJ's the corner monster, you know? Mm-hmm. You got guys who could shoot. Bobby Portis was one of the, I think, one of the highest three-point shooters this year. You know, he had a really good season coming from New York last year. So just trust your game with Giannis. Don't don't try to be something you're not. You know, what he's done has worked for him, and there's a reason why he's a two-time MVP, you know, back-to-back and defensive player of the year. Um, but – I think there's a pressure for him because he saw what they did last year to him and he was embarrassed. Let's just be real. It was embarrassing for them, you know, to lose in five to a team, you know, when you had one of the greatest seasons of all time, you know, offensive efficiency, defense efficiency was just through the roof. I mean, they they were just, and their, their, uh, 
you know, they were just, they're destroying teams. Like they, they had, you know, it, it was the margins were, were incredible, but they lost. But mm-hmm. it, it's going to come down, you know, if Miami lost by two, and that's with Jimmy Butler not having a good game. Like you said, Bam wasn't good. You know, um, Dunn shot four of ten from the field. Like guys weren't hitting yeah. shots for, for them. Uh, you know, Hero was only two of ten. So a lot of their important players didn't play well, and they only lost by two. They only lost by two. So, I mean, if, if you're Miami, you should feel a little encouraging. And if you're Milwaukee, you're like, wow. Like, every all you know, all their main players didn't play great, and yet we won by two points. So, I mean, there's a lot to come. But at the end of the day, Milwaukee won. So that's what the biggest thing is that they're up 1-0 in this series. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, they lost in five. They were practically getting dominated um, at the time. And, you know, uh, last year, and Giannis went out in game four. Uh, they were down 3-0. Middleton took over, was able to sneak a game in. I think Miami got lackadaisical, you know, at that point in time. No, Giannis, we got this kind of thing. But, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Milwaukee can look at some of their problems. And, like, Giannis, Giannis, you know, it's all eyes are on the superstar. He is the superstar in this series. That's who you look. That's who gets all eyes on him. You know, he wants to be the best player in the league. We know he's shooting for it. He crowned himself king last year. Obviously, that's why people killed him for losing in five. He fell short. But, like, Miami, might it might not have went to an overtime had Giannis shot 60%, 70% from the free throw line. He was terrible from the free throw line down the stretch. And for me, the only, the only thing I got from that game on Milwaukee's end is it's Giannis's team, but maybe the ball does not need to be in Giannis's hands at the end of the game. Uh, I think Drew Holiday, I think you just need to adjust, and at the end of the game, you figure out a way to get Giannis the ball down low as opposed to Giannis figuring out how he's going to get Middleton or Drew Holiday open. I mean, that's what you grab Drew Holiday for, to have a true point guard, a guy to get the job done that Eric Bledsoe could not do. You felt like he wasn't doing the job, so you upgraded and got Drew Holiday. But put the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Nobody's telling Drew Holiday he has to be the closer and the clutch guy and and hit the shot. But he's the point guard. He can make the right offensive play. Obviously, Chris Middleton did hit the clutch shot. So that does go to show, like, if, if outside, you're working from the outside in, I think you need to figure out ways to get Giannis the ball inside, not have him figure it out and, and hope that Chris Middleton ends up saving him and hitting, you know, a game winner. Obviously, there were some turnovers late, but Giannis's free throw shooting was very uh, concerning. I mean, uh, a 10-second call, like, I'm going to be honest, I can't even remember if I've saw, like, I don't even know if I've saw that before, dude. to be yeah, honest. I saw the replay, and I'm like, what's going on right here? Because I had the... I had the I had it on the TV unmuted because I was doing I was doing the 2K stuff. Yeah, and I had it mute. I'm like, what did I, what just happened? And then I had to go on replay, and I just see like them analyzing it, and I'm like, he got a 10 second like you know how I thought hard it was a that lane is? violation. I thought it I thought was it was a lane, a lane violation. violation. I thought it was something that was. And I was like, wait, he took up all the time, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that just to me, and maybe I'm you know I'm reading in reading way too much into it but it just shows that he there's something there that's that little psychological like oh like uh man am i gonna hit because we've seen him miss like air ball free throws like yep you know and you know it's that's the one concerning thing with Giannis is that late game 
you know, he could do everything during the game, right? 35, 15, and 10, and five steals, and four blocks. But it's like those last two minutes of the game where you have the game gets tighter, you know, it's more half court. Is is he, you know, is he going to make have the ability to to make plays and shoot the ball and hit his free throws? So, yeah, and, and that that's what it comes down to. But I want to move on. You know, it's kind of it's getting depressing talking about my Miami Heat a little bit. All pressure. You know, they have a game here coming up. They're down one zero. I think there's a little bit of unwanted pressure. Being a Heat fan, I don't want to see it. But let's talk about possibly. The biggest, you know, there was two disappointing losses and both of them came out of the teams out of L.A. So let's move on to the Mavericks and the Clippers. The Mavericks win 113 to 103. Uh, They're up in the series, obviously 1-0. But my biggest concern was, once again, the Clippers had no answer for Luka. Um, I know it was like this last year. I know Luka went crazy, took him to six. But pandemic P. Playoff Paul George does it again. Oh, he does it again. He, he, You know what? Ever since he's left Indiana, he just doesn't fail me. Oh, he's looking good coming into the postseason. The Clippers are there. We know what Kawhi Leonard does in late game. We know in the clutch Kawhi Leonard is such a great player, and we know that. We know, oh, they got Nicholas Batum who's playing great. They got Serge Ibaka, the, surround, the supporting Rondo. cast. Playoff Rondo, who actually earned his name Playoff Rondo, and it wasn't a self-given name. But Pandemic P strikes again. Paul George, and what, 18 points, 8 for 18 from the field, just wasn't the Paul George that we're used to seeing. What did you think about the Clippers dropping the ball in essentially losing home court advantage game one in Staples? Clippers, man, they, if they, they they give you a heart attack, this Clippers team, because they have everything you you have you need to be a championship caliber club. Like they have the superstar in Kawhi, who's done it right, two time Finals MVP with two different teams. He started there with Toronto, and, and we've seen what he's done as a player. But man, it, it just. It, they didn't hit th- the three point. I mean, I. I I got the stats right here. They, they were 11 or 40 from three. You know, it seemed like they were pressing and, and that. And there, there's press, There's a lot of pressure in L.A. And, you know, going – I remember hearing people talking about that the Clippers have the most pressure. And at first I was like, I don't know. And then I was like – as I started to think about it, I was like, you know what? They may have the most pressure out of every team. You know, I know there's pressure for Brooklyn – you know, but, you know, they haven't played together. You know, they have injuries, right? They got guys who had serious injuries, you know. Um, but this Clipper team, it just doesn't make sense. And listen, we could be overreacting, and then they can come off and win four in a row, right? We talked about that earlier, you know, just the overreaction. But this Dallas team is, you know, is better than last year. I mean, they had, first of all, they got KP back. And he, he didn't have a good game. But, you know, Tim Hardaway – you know, a lot of the Knicks fans know about Tim Hardaway, you know, ups and downs and, and even a couple, you know, his few years in Dallas, you know, solid player. But the second half of the season, he balled out. He, yeah. he, he balled out and he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast and he talked about, you know, this is the best basketball he's played, you know, as a pro. And he had another good game. He he had, you know, five threes, I think 20, what, 
20, 22 point, 21 points. Yep. You know, he was, he, he was good. And, you know, Jalen Brunson come off the bench, gave them a spark, had 15 points. You know, they didn't get a lot from the bench, but they didn't need it because starting lineup did really well. You know, Finney Smith, you know, uh, played well. Everyone played well. You know, every, you know, Kleber had almost 10 rebounds, you know, so <laughs> this Clippers team, bro, I, I it's, it, they're very frustrating to, to watch. And there's a, this is, if they lose in the first round, Mo, things are going, you know, I don't know if Ty Lue, I don't know if it, Ty Lue gets fired after one year because I don't think that would be fair. But, man, they, they might have to make major change. And we know Kawhi didn't sign his extension yet. You know, Paul George did. You know, Kawhi might, might book it. <laughs> He, he might find his, you know, take his talent somewhere else. So this is huge for the Clippers. I mean, they just, this team, I, I, they're so frustrating. I mean, they, they got a lot of talented guys, but it, it seems like another year where they just not sinking at all. And, and, and you brought up a lot of points. And so, like you said, talent wise, I mean, I'm talking about Nicholas Batum made a name for himself. And it's like, I almost thought he retired from the league three years ago. He got lost in Charlotte, obviously was like an abysmal contract. But then you talk about Kawhi Leonard, and there is pressure. It, it has to be the Clippers and Giannis, I do think, have the most pressure. Had the Lakers, if not, there's going to be pressure on the Lakers. They're the defending champs, so you're going to have pressure on the Lakers anyway. Uh, you have LeBron James on the Lakers, so there's pressure in itself. But, like, he took the pressure off himself winning a championship last year. You know, the, the nickname, LaMickey James, because he won the – you know, in, in the bubble in Orlando and Disney and whatever, but it doesn't change the fact that he got him his fourth championship where, so the pressure's kind of off. Obviously there was some key injuries with the Lakers, LeBron and AD both being hurt and they just don't look like themselves, but the Clippers, man, it's, it's, it's what year two, uh, they blame, you know, they shot all the blame on doc rivers. Um, and it doesn't seem like he was the problem. I mean, he goes to Philly in Philly improves immensely. Like he looks like he was the answer in Philly. I guess we'll see as it goes farther because we, we expect Philly to win. You know, we'll get into them in a little bit. But it's just like you said, they're so frustrating because like, bro, y'all the Clippers. Like Kawhi, you came in with all your antics. You're the king of LA. This your town now. You about to make it a Clippers town. And now you might, you know, there's a possibility that if you Go out in the first round. He doesn't talk much. He just makes his moves in silence. But you bounce. Like, that says a lot. That that says a lot. And he won't get killed the same way LeBron, if he did the exact same thing. He won't get killed. He won't get killed, the same, you know, like his name is Kevin Durant. Because he's so silent and, you know. I think he's going to get killed if he goes and get out of the first round. I, I don't think he, so, he, he got He got killed last year. You know, I know, you know, Paul George – was missing, was hitting shots off the, the side of the rim and all that. But Kawhi, Kawhi got his. In game seven but, if two, he, though. If, but if he doesn't get out of the first round, Kawhi, with this team and, and then have back-to-back years where they don't even get to the conference finals, the Heat's going to be on Kawhi, and then there's obviously pre-agency coming. So. And you said the Heat's going to be on Kawhi. I think you meant that like analytically and – Literally, he might be in South Beach. You know, there was some talks earlier that, you know, there may be some interest. I know Miami will be interested and do their due diligence. They do it with every free agent. 
I know, you know, we talk about the Knicks and all the big free agents are attached to New York, but Miami's the same way. I could go ever since we've lost LeBron James, I could go down the line of guys. We just don't get the draft lottery also, but Gordon Hayward, we thought he was going to be in Miami. Kevin Durant, we thought he was going to be in Miami. Giannis, you know, as of recent, we thought he was, he had his eyes on Miami. We ended up getting Jimmy Butler, but like we miss out on a lot of free agents and they have those guys like they are keyed in the buyout market. Blake Griffin considers Miami, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond. We don't get any of those guys. So Miami does fall victim to, you would think, Pat Riley and the championships in the state of Florida and the no sales tax or, or no state taxes. And then, you know, South Beach itself sells itself. But I think that culture runs guys away also. And, man, I think Kawhi would be a perfect guy for that Miami Heat culture. But the, the, the pressure is definitely on the Clippers, especially game two. Don't let the Mavs go up 2-0 and steal the first two games in Staples. That makes yeah, a difference when you go up. It just, that can't happen at that point because now the Clippers will be at a true disadvantage. And we know they don't really do good under pressure. Like when no. it comes that they're not a late game, they're not great late in games unless they already have a comfortable lead. So now going into whole game with pandemic P looking like the playoff Paul George that we know and Kawhi Leonard maybe not being fully engaged and Ty Lue yeah. isn't well, as great a coach. He's a good coach, but he's not a great as coach as everybody say because he's kind of he's had LeBron. He won championship with LeBron and then he stars. had you know, he's got Kawhi and Paul George right now, so we'll see. Yeah. But I think there's a lot to look at. It's not overreact. I'm not tripping and saying the, the Clippers very well could win in six, just mm -hmm. like last year. But just you expected them to come out with more fire for a team that we feel like has probably the most pressure coming into the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it's not about Kawhi. It's about the, the Clippers as a whole. And it's with that free agency looming that I think there's a lot of pressure because if they don't, if he doesn't see success this year, what makes you think next year we're going to get it and I'm going to sign for the long term? I just don't see it happening. Maybe he plays it year by year in L.A. We know that's where he's from. He wants to be there. But at the same time, Kawhi wants to win championships. He's got a legacy. He's chasing. It's not like he's going to be the GOAT, but he's he's chasing a legacy. He's got two championships, two finals MVPs. He's an important player. He's going to go down. You know, I think he – Wants to be one of the top 20, 30 players of all time in, in history. So, you know, you got to continue to win to do that because his greatness hasn't subsided for winning. He has some of those guys who haven't won. Yeah, Allen Iverson. He was, he, his career hasn't gone that great. So he does have to add winning to his resume. And if he doesn't feel like he could do it in L.A., then then they could really be in some trouble. And this series could tell a lot about the future we of the Clippers. Need, we need this Kawhi back. <laughs> we need, we, I need that Kawhi back. That Toronto Kawhi with the laugh and all that. Like, he's got to, you know, it, this is this is huge for him. This is huge. Um, so they got to step up. And, uh, you know, game two, you know, you know Dallas was going to bring it. You know, Dallas feels confident because, you know, Luka and, and – Probably felt like if he had KP last year, that they beat the Clippers and and they might I mean, they, they went just, in a they tough just six might series. have they went six and we saw Luca with the step back you know game winner you know Luca Luca is it's he's so fun to watch and he's getting towards that super duper star level and 
he takes down the Clippers and he ends the Clippers. Like, like we saw LeBron like in Toronto, right? Where they said, mm-hmm. yo, we got to get Kawhi. And then LeBron went up leave. It's like, all right, yo, you, you know, y'all could, yeah, good you now. Got, you, y'all, y'all probably going to win because I'm in the West now. But he can end a potential team that many thought were going to be championship caliber team last year, definitely, including myself. I thought they were going to be, you know, NBA champions. And then this year, some people still thought, they had championship aspirations because, you know, they, they didn't have as many egos in the locker room. But it just seems like if they go down at Staples Center 2-0, Dallas, Dallas taking the series and major changes will happen to Clippers. So this is a, this might be the most intriguing series because of the storylines, not just the play on the court, but the storylines behind it. Luka tanking that next level, that superstardom level. And then obviously the dynamic with, with uh, the Clippers and you know what happens if they do lose because a lot of things will happen yeah exactly so moving on we'll t- you know we'll spend brief time on this i think this is one of the least interesting series uh and that's the celtics and the nets and i think jalen brown going down it's over <laughs> like jalen brown going down and i think you know that game obviously the nets won 104 to 93 and it was fairly close for a while but talent just Subseded, you know, it's not like Brad Stevens is he's not a bad coach, but he's not a top three to five head coach in the league where his coaching and his adjustments can can take away from some of the injuries. I mean, Jalen Brown is very key. And the reason I say that the Nets had 82 points combined with their big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I think it was like 82, 84. That means that the, the rest of their team, the, the big 15 <laughs> That means the Big 12 only scored 20 points. Blake Griffin played 20 minutes, didn't even have a field goal attempt, got fouled, made one of his two free throws. That is no, So he had one yeah. point, no field goal <laughs> attempts. That is concerning for Brooklyn. We know what their Big 3 is going to do. Nobody is looking at Brooklyn and worried, especially right now, nobody is worried about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or James Harden outside of health. We It's the first round of the playoffs. We know what they're going to do. But that that supporting cast, that seemed to be Miami's problem back when they had their big three. That was some of their problem was they were getting, you know, the games night in and night out from their big three. But the question was who steps up on a consistent basis. And Miami, I think their supporting cast was a little more talented than, you know, uh, Brooklyn's supporting cast where you really look at it. They had guys who, especially as they went on, and that's the key thing here is this is Brooklyn's year one with this big three. Where you know, as you see, you just see Miami continue. One. They only play yeah, like they've only played what together. eight games together now, eight nine games together now, well, nine games now with the game one. Yeah, nine games now together. together. Um, but they're still that that big three. I know we talk about Wade and LeBron and Bosh, but this big three might be the most talented this is big different. three we've ever this seen. This is it's, a... just, it's different. It wasn't your guard and your forward and your center or power forward like this Bosch. is the most explosive offensive big three we've ever seen. Like what? Like, like you're, you got guys who could go for 50. You got three yeah, guys who could score th- 50 at exactly. any Exactly. You got three guys who could drop 40 on your head. I mean, that's and that's all you need on, you know, that big three in Miami. I think better overall. I mean, LeBron's obviously a freak, and D. Wade was yeah. a, a very good defender. People And, and Chris Boss also can do some things defensively. So maybe better all around by the Miami's big three, but this big three is – I just felt like they they're just going into motion right now. Like, I think – they they benefited from getting the Boston matchup rather than the Wizards because if it was the Wizards, 
We know how Russ is. And yes, Russ yep. can be inefficient and all that, but you know he's bringing it. And they got Brad, too, who can drop 40 on your head. And they so, got they got players who bring it. They have dogs yeah. like Ruri so, Hachimura, and we'll get into them a little later. But they have – that was the yeah. matchup we wanted to see. I feel like we got robbed of that. And I know it had everything that Washington needed to win the game, and they didn't. But that I wanted to see – and I don't know if anybody wanted to see Brooklyn – Versus Washington more than me. I, I kept pitching about it. I wanted to see it. And whether Brooklyn won in five, six, it was just going to be a dog. Of a six, probably a couple of technicals slung around. Oh, no. Obviously yeah, very yeah. competitive. You know, Harden and Westbrook have no beef. But, it was, you know, there was going to be some technicals flown around. That was going to be a very intense and, and real, you know, chippy uh, first round matchup, but I mean Brooklyn's got this in the bag. I mean I'd be surprised. Yeah, maybe in five, if, it's if, gonna be a sweep. If I Jason think. Tatum can drop fifty, if he could give me a fifty piece one night, maybe they take that W that night. But maybe. the fact that we're asking a player to drop fifty just to get a W is, I mean that's basically what we were asking from Steph Curry for the Warriors to win, and and you know we've seen how that yeah, turned out. I, but. Tatum, Tatum, he used too much, so much energy in the plan to even get them here. To be a seven yeah. seed, and it just Kemba's not Kemba no more. You know those his knee issues are are really showing out. I mean he he didn't shoot the ball well. I think he was what he missed like eleven shots. And you, you don't know. know what you're getting with Kemba. That's my biggest yeah. thing is like Kemba could be very healthy one night and give you twenty eight, and then yeah. the next night he's like limping up and down the court, and he just doesn't look like the Kemba Walker we seen the night before. So oh. his health has been a huge issue. But I mean, yeah. I you know Nets in four, maybe five. You know, if, if I, I think I, Boston I, is talented enough, I think Tatum can get them a W. I think he can. I'm not saying he will, but I think Tatum could get him a W. Like one. If w. he drops, if he drops fifty, then maybe they'll sneak because maybe the Nets aren't playing. Fall asleep. Great They're up three zero. They fall asleep in game yeah. four. Like you know, we've seen it plenty of times before with teams like that where they have it in the bag. We watch Miami fall asleep, you know, in game four. So I definitely feel like it's. I feel like it's the same thing with Brooklyn. They could fall asleep, and Jason Tatum has the game of his life. But th this series is good and over. So we'll talk yeah, about over. the final game of Saturday night. And it was the Blazers versus the Nuggets. 123-109. to 109, The Blazers take the 1-0 lead. Man, there, there is a lot of things. And, and there, there was a lot that went on that night that I just... That's one of the better matchup series. It really is. I mean, it's tough to say what is the best first-round matchup because there's a lot of good ones. Like... Usually the three and six, you pretty much see the three being dominant, but that's not the case in either of these on the East Coast or the West Coast. Obviously, this Blazers Nuggets. Dame went Dame time. I think he had, what, 37, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Uh, he had 37. Jokic only 34, had one. 34, 34. 34, okay, 34. Jokic only had one assist. And that Jokic was our, that's what I was assist. going to mention. That what I was. He had one assist. To me, I don't care that he, that he had, what, he had 37 points, you know, uh, 34 points and 16 rebounds. The most telling stat is that he had one assist. So that to me was one assist. That And you can look at it a bunch of ways with the assist, right? You could mm -hmm. look at it where they're, okay, he's just not sharing the ball because he has to score more because – you know, there is no Jamal Murray, so he has to take on more of a scoring load. Or guys aren't hitting their shots. And it was a combination of both, I believe. Yeah, I think I think they're really missing Jamal Murray. And I know, you know, they still were rolling in the regular season after Jamal Murray left. But this is playoff basketball. And 
these are, you know, this is a two guard team with Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. And like Jamal Murray takes the load off of a guy like Will Barton, who we expect to step up. And I know we expect Michael Porter Jr. to show. I mean, he showed he's he belong. He belong. He, he missed nine three. He shot yeah, one. Yeah, he he played know. bad, but he's shown that like he took that step in the regular season of course, that we yeah, needed yeah. him to take uh to keep Denver competitive. I mean, we know Jokic should be the MVP this year. Probably will be the MVP. We know what he's gonna give you. The surprise was him only having one assist, but obviously that falls on you. Start looking at was he? They they kind of took that away. They made the shots a lot tougher. That's what the trailblazers did. And Damian Lillard talked about it, you know, in the post game interview and was like, look, we know Jokic is, you know, he called him the MVP of the league. We know what Jokic is going to do, but we got to take away everybody else. You know, the stars are going to get theirs. We know that it's just, every matchup, the stars going to get theirs, but it's not about the stars. Your star could drop 50, but if we can stop everybody else, and I could do my job as a star, which is exactly what Damian Lillard and them did. I mean, yeah, Jokic had 30 plus, but one assist, I mean, we're talking about a guy who almost averages a triple-double, averages 8.8 assists per game uh, coming into the playoffs, and he only got one assist. Like you said, a lot of guys missed a lot of shots, and I think the game goes a little bit different if we had, you know, if they had Jamal Murray. So yeah. I don't think it's time to panic. I mean, you know, the Blazers were kind of hot. Uh, Carmelo played pretty decent. Like, you know, there were some things. Nurkic looking like Nurkic to me is the most important thing for the Trailblazers because – when he's on, because there was moments last year he he was looking like a stud, like a he, like he could be an all star, yeah. and you know he's had his share of injuries and all that, but he played solid and he always plays. He always when when it's Jokic and Nurkic going, people forget that they on the same team, the Nuggets. They were on the Nuggets together, and essentially mm-hmm. the Nuggets picked Jokic over Nurkic, and obviously we all know that it was a good move, but. You know, for Nurkic, he always, you know, they, those Europeans, they, they go at it. And uh, that's it. That's but him playing well. Siege, and then uh, Anthony Simons off the bench, giving you, I think he got 14, 15 points. He played great and he's starting to come into his own. He was a player I loved coming out of the draft. You know, uh, you know, uh, I think he's going to be a good one. And so they they played some solid defense, you know, especially in the second half. You know, I think they only gave up like 46 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, to to uh, to Denver. So Portland, you know, they haven't they ha- they're not known for defense, but uh, they they definitely played some solid defense. So uh, this series was this was one of the trickier series to to figure out because a part of me liked still liked what Denver was doing, but um, if Portland would click and I and I said if Portland plays any defense in this series, they can win it, and mm-hmm. they showed game one they can. So if they continue to do that. You know, they, they might they might win this series shorter than people think. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, you know, eyes are on this series because the, the one thing I felt about this series was I felt like the winner was out in the second round. So, I mean, we'll see how that happens, how that plays out. But we'll move on to the, the Sunday slate of games. Uh, obviously, the opening game of Sunday was the Wizards 76ers. 76ers took it 125 to 118. They're up, obviously, 1-0. What? You know, there were some things about Philly that made them, I know it was close, but the Wizards are dogs. You got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, you know, and I said that, I said, man, whoever, whether it was the Wizards, I mean, whether it was the Sixers or Brooklyn, I'm like, man, Wizards isn't a, you can win in four or win in five, but that's not a first round matchup you want to have to play because you're going to have to play hard all four quarters because 
Russell Westbrook, as long as he's not injured, he's just a motor that doesn't stop. He's the energizer bunny. He keep he just keep moving. Bradley Beal has that same mentality, and I think it's increased playing alongside Russell Westbrook. But Philly, man, Tobias Harris was on fire. Like he was the key performer. He had a really good season. He was a borderline all star this year. And he's and he's always been a borderline all star, even from his Clippers days. And you know, shots. he got his coach back with Doc Rivers, so we yeah, felt like yeah, he yeah. would improve a he little bit. Twenty nine shots, like that's he took a lot of shots, but he was he efficient. did. And Joel B, he he played good. I think I, I expected a little more. I think he finished with about six or seven rebounds, which kind of yeah, surprised me. Yeah, it was six rebounds. What's he got to the free throw line a lot, though. He did get to the free throw line a lot. But I just expected him to be a little more dominant in the paint against the Wizards who don't really have a true big man. His points were fine. I'm just on the rebounding, and I expect I thought I was going to get a little more. But when you get the win, you'll, you pick apart little things like rebounding, and it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, ben Simmons does, did what Ben Simmons does. Like, I don't expect 30 points from him. I mean, I think Tobias Harris is the second-best scorer on that team. I mean, in all honesty. Oh, yeah. And Seth Curry brought fire off the bench. He he had got he went on his little run where he I think he hit about two or three threes in a row and got him going. It was the right time. Took like a big lead up eight. Uh, so Seth Curry, we know. I mean, even he's probably a better scorer than Ben Simmons. I mean, we're talking about Ben Simmons being your second best player, but maybe your third or fourth, you know, scoring option. Um, so I like what I'm seeing from Philly. I think Philly is dangerous. I mean. MV, I mean, Embiid, you know, Joel Embiid was the MVP before he got hurt, and I think yep. he would have ran away with it had he not got hurt and missed so many games. But he's Agreed. still playing like MVP. I mean, Doc Rivers is taking his team to the next level. Uh, obviously, we'll see how next level they are as we get farther into the playoffs. But he's taking his team to the next level, and, and you're seeing it now. You know, last year's 76ers, I don't know if they would have been able with this same squad. I just don't know if they would have had the motor to play against a team like the Wizards. Like, if you talk about this last year with the coach that they had, I just don't know if they would have had the motor to keep up with Westbrook. and They, they didn't Dill. like each other last year. For some reason, and we saw in the bubble, it just didn't seem like they, they cared about each other as teammates and all that. And, and, and it was that like was that really concerning. Yeah, And it was and, like that the year before. And you talk about how talented that team was. People... I love that Philly team first. I love Jimmy Butler. Obviously, I'm a Heat fan, but I'm a fan of basketball. So, I like when squads are just – I like looking at the squad. Man, that Philly team was ridiculous. Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Abuna, That was an Al Eastern Horford. Conference championship level team. They could have exactly. got to the finals. And, that and they fell down to, you know, a lucky game winner by Kawhi Leonard that ultimately led to Toronto winning the championship. But I think, I think Philly's the real deal. It seems like, you know – whether they're cool off the court and hang out, you don't need them to be best friends. You just need them to be good teammates. And it seems like Ben, ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are together. You know, it seems like they got good chemistry. Not a lot of problems coming out of the Philly locker room, and that's kind of been the issue the past couple of years is as talented as they were, there was a lot of buzz coming out of the locker room and issues, and Embiid and Simmons don't like each other, and they try and keep it under the wraps, but you have elite, you have stories, you have guys who go fishing and get that out of these organizations, obviously because they have jobs to do also, but I think I don't. this series isn't over. I thought it was going to be a dog fight in the beginning, but I, I said probably Sixers and five. 
but it's just going to be five tough games. I think yeah, I Wizards agree. could get one, but I was like, it's going to be a dog fight. I think when you see four to one, you'd be like, ah, they, you know, gentlemen sweep. They gave them a game. But I think a lot of games are going to come down. 76ers pulled out late and obviously won by seven, but they had to play all four quarters. Had they have taken off a single minute of a quarter, the Wizards would have won. So I, that's what I mean. I think Philly wins in five in a dog fight, but that's a tough that's a tough first round matchup because you are going to be tired. But hopefully, with as even as a lot of these matchups are, hopefully you can finish in five and Brooklyn yeah. ends up sweeping or finishing in five. And you get to take a break watching the Hawks and the Knicks and you know the Heat and the Bucks. Hopefully, that's where you get catch your break. What's crazy about this this series? What I think it's going to be in this series and then what showed in Game One. They don't eat. Sh- neither team shoots a lot of threes. I think Wizards shot like twenty threes and. You know, in today's NBA, you know, yeah. they don't shoot a lot of threes or made a lot of threes. And yet they, you know, it was 125 to 118, you know. Because um, they just keep it going. They it's just, just it, Philly got to the gun. line a lot because, you know, that's Embiid's game to get to the line. And the Wizards are going to are gonna give them a fight, but they just don't have enough to get it done. And, you know, they're going to need perimeter shooting. They're just, you know, Brad's going to do what Brad does. Westbrook's going to do what he does, but. Just the lack of perimeter play is is what's going to hurt this team, and they just don't have enough guys. You know, Bertans is going to need to have a game where he's just a flamethrower, where yeah. he has twenty five points. Bale's going to have to have thirty. Russ is going to have to score twenty plus and have a triple double and like triple, we need double. triple double. Russ, and so it, it's going to be a lot for the Wizards to overcome. But they had they've had a, you know, from what the season was for them to start to what it is now they should you know with all the injuries and all that and russ not playing well the first 20 games he wasn't really yeah, he, he wasn't well. russ you yeah. know um so they they have a lot to be happy about and, and some things when they get thomas bryan back a, a, and they get denny advia back next season they got some things and add a few pieces here and it could be a uh, you know a top six seed yeah 100 percent. i mean like i said the 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 way like or like you said the way the Wizards kind of rolled in the beginning of the season where they're at now a lot of people didn't see it obviously once they started rolling we're like okay you still knew that duo of Westbrook and Bill could be dangerous if they got rolling at the right time and that's exactly what they did so for them to be here and and be competitive is a successful season some injuries COVID you know that that kind of hit a lot of teams especially injuries and speaking of injuries we're about to talk about. Probably the the key focus of overreaction Monday is that other team at LA, the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, anytime LeBron loses a playoff game, the Suns won 99 to 90. They lead the series 1-0. And obviously, anytime LeBron loses a playoff game, it's especially the first one, it's an overreaction. But this is what LeBron does. He plays nonchalant he kind of sits back he lets his guys get going or try to get going he fills out the team and then he he just allows the team to put themselves in a comfortable position and then boom he bites and and you know he he wins in five or he wins in six and this is just what we see lebron do now maybe it's different because lebron is injured you know um i don't know how hurt his ankle is but he doesn't seem 100 percent but I He's think we all can agree we don't expect – we didn't need – you know, we didn't – the expectation wasn't for LeBron to be 100% in the first round against Phoenix or Utah because there's a little bit of 
They got to prove themselves. And so we felt like, okay, if we could get eight, 75, 80% LeBron, AD seemed coming into the playoffs 100%. He played horrible. The, the focus DeAndre is on, Ayton, man. DeAndre Ayton. But that's where the overreaction for me comes is let's pause our breaks on the fact that the Lakers are in all this so much trouble. First off, it was in Phoenix. You know, Death Valley was rocking. But yeah, they're lo- they're let's, loud. let's let's just be honest. It's game one. It's LeBron James. Like, LeBron has never lost he, in the he, first round. People were trashing AD to like – and on the way – you know, when I came back home to, to get set to do the show with you, I was listening to, to NBA um, on Sirius, and, and one of the hosts, he was just calling him soft and all that, AD soft and all that. And I was like, dude, it's one game. It's one, one game. game. Like, you're trashing him like this. Like, if, if you want to, after the series, and be like, yo, AD was soft this series. Okay, but it's one game. This guy isn't soft. I hate that narrative with AD. He's soft. He can't. You know, he cried his way to go to the Lakers. It's just all like nonsense. But it, it, but he needs he does happens. need to play better. He does. But that's what happens better. when you play alongside when you move and you go play with LeBron James. The the expectations as a play just through the roof. It's now AD, and then they won a championship. You know, so you're defending champs. I know, obviously they're a seven seed. But like I said, if I told you in the beginning of the season that the Lakers would play Phoenix in the first round, you would say I could see that matchup. And you would have the Lakers as the two seed and Phoenix as the seven seed. And you very well would have been able to see that. Obviously, I think Phoenix, they're a really good team. Uh, You know, you said it yesterday in our uh, beloved group chat that Devin Booker has opportunity to make, like, become a bona fide superstar. I don't think they get the victory. I really don't think they win this series, even after one. I mean, now if they go 2-0, okay. But they still have to go play two games in L.A. And they very well could even the series. Obviously, there's fans back in the stands. LeBron, we know how he is. I mean, but he fills out game one. I mean, LeBron hasn't lost in the first round. I get he's not 100%. And a lot of th- this this notion of like, does he flop 100%? I am not going to sit here and you know how much of a LeBron praiser I am. But am I going to act like... Everything he does is just not over the top. He does some things that are over the top, you know. Every player does stuff over but the top. Exactly. But, like, I bust out <laughs> laughing, you know, when he, when he in the Warriors game, he said, I saw three rims and I aimed at the middle. I couldn't believe I heard that. I said, oh, it's no, selling. LeBron did It's it. all about selling to get the call. Every great player does it. D-Wade Joel did Embiid, it. Kobe did it. Joel Embiid like, does but it. Joel Embiid does it. And this notion that the NBA is soft and these – Oh, this is your king. It is, and it's more than LeBron. Like it's not even just LeBron getting killed that bothers me. It's like, oh, these guys are soft. No, the the refs call it this way. Like if the game was like the '90s and everybody had to play this tough man role, all these dudes would do it. But because you play within the game, you use to your advantage. James Harden is prime example. He plays the game to his advantage. He. Flops a little bit. He sticks he his arm down here, and it works. Hey, yeah, he benefits from. But it's that's how, that's what you're supposed to do. Like that's called winning. The, that's what winners do. They play. You said the before to their the league being soft, right? And I hate when people say it. Like it, it grinds my gears when people say the league is. It's not soft. You can't tell. It's like I think. You know, especially people older, like they're they see the nineties and the physical the physicality of the game and back then and it's like there was games in the finals that was sixty nine to seventy two and even going back to like the Spurs and the 
the the Pistons, yeah, where there was seven, and even the like, Lakers, like the late, even I mean, there was a Lakers spurt where, where Derek Fisher hits that point four. That yeah. was in the seventies, I believe, or low seventies, high sixties, I think. And it's just like these guys this, this, are more talented. The game is a little exactly. more instead the, of physicality. That's exactly. what it is. These guys are. They're not – you don't have your guys built like Shaq anymore. But at the same time, like, you don't have – now you have seven-footers who can handle the ball, and shoot the teach, jump they're shot. They're teaching the, these young guys different, right? And I, when I had Friends Blindberg on the show, you know, one of the top international prospects, this is a guy who's 6'10", 6'11". But – and in my day, you know, I'm 32, right? So growing up in the 90s, they would have made him a back, you know, back to the basket player and do that. It's like, no, these guys can do much more than just be that type of player. I mean, we see Carl Anthony Towns. He's shooting. He's a seven-footer, and he's shooting eight threes a game. Brooks Lopez finally started shooting a few years back, you know, when he started in L.A., you know, and then went to Milwaukee. So, like, it's just annoying when people say the game's soft. It's, it's, still, it's still physical. To, to, and the, the defensive rules have changed, too, so you can't be physical. So, like, I, I just don't get it. Like the, I mean, and, and we're in an age where it's even in the NFL. All these guys are soft. They're not soft. Oh. First off, these guys are becoming more athletic freaks, and it's more so in football because it's such a contact sport. These dudes are 6'2", 225, 230. Running four threes, and you expect not to lessen the blows for these guys? Dudes wouldn't last. Like, if, if it was the rules of – if we were letting some of these guys hit like Ray Lewis was hitting, he ran like a 4'7", four, 4'8", four, in the 40 in his prime. Yeah, Dudes yeah, yeah, his yeah. size now were running four threes, four fours. Guys coming at that fast, at that size, it's just – because there's so much. Devin White just ran like a four two nine. He beat out like some of the receivers and DBs. Exactly and like, as, a a linebacker, yard, so as a linebacker. As a linebacker, these athletes are just getting bigger, stronger, and faster. And so to make these guys' careers continue to go long, you have to change the rules a little bit. And just imagine if they're letting Giannis get beat up in the paint. The stars run the league now more than ever. Prime example of this season. There was a point in time for a couple weeks. The NBA got very dry, and the reason was Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Giannis, LeBron, AD, uh, Joel Embiid, and, and I think, you know, there were a couple more. Jamal Murray had just got hurt. There were a lot of players that were not playing. The stars were out for a lot of teams, which made you not really interested in except your team. I mean, Jimmy Butler missed some time. Like, there were a lot of time where there was Steph Curry. There was a point in time where none of those guys played for like five days straight. None of those guys were on the floor for their teams. So it's like the physicality, it wears down. And obviously technology and things like that have enhanced, you know, coming back from injuries. You know, a torn ACL could have ruined guys' careers back in the day. Now you come back stronger than ever some guys do. So obviously. Well, Achilles used to be a death sentence. And now yeah, you, you were come done. back from an Achilles and be yep. just as good. Look, look, we see KD, you know, and we see exactly. a few other guys. Dwight Powell from Dallas came back from an Achilles. So, like, the game's different. It just, it, it's, it's evolution, right? And I used to be one of the, oh, the 90s was the best and all that because that's the era you live in. But it's like, like anything in life, you got to, you know, evolution. It, it, things are different. It, every era is different. And it's just like, appreciate. It's still basketball at the end of the day, right? It's yep. still the game of basketball, right? Same game. That was in the 90s and the 2000s and the 80s. It's still 
The name of the game is to get buckets, and to me, you know, the game is 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 in great. It shape, just evolved. So it's a, it's it just offensive evolved. league. Everybody wants to the see players, points. Everybody like wants said, to see touchdowns. We don't want to see, you know, defensive battles. Now, defensive battles are great because it, it's I don't want to see sixty nine to sixty four games. Anyway. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's no, too many I'm stars. Good. There's too many no. talented players. If I see a sixty nine sixty four, I'd be like, both of those teams are the world's worst teams in the NBA right now. We saw but, that not too long ago, you know, and people yeah. love that era. The, the, but it was different because those guys weren't as talented as they are now. Even some of the talented guys, but. You know, we're going to move on, and, and you know, it, it was inevitable. We was going to have to talk about this matchup, the Hawks versus the Knicks. Yeah. The Hawks pull it out, 107-105, you know, a game-winning floater uh, by Trey Young when it looked like the game was probably going to go into overtime with a game-tying floater by Derrick Rose. This matchup right here lived up to the hype. This matchup was everything I expected it to be between the Hawks and the Knicks. Now, I felt like the Knicks would end up being a little more, a little too much for the Hawks, but the Hawks winning game one really isn't that concern for me. But it was, it was, I felt like this was going to be a dogfight of a series. I felt like this is one of the most evenly matched up series uh, that we have. I mean, there's actually a lot of them, but I think this is right there, you know, in the thick of, the best matchups to see in the first round and why we're excited for the first round. And it just, it didn't go the next way, but that's okay. The garden was rocking. New York was here. The whole world was watching the Hawks and Knicks. Everybody. I mean, the timeline was just going of how the garden was rocking. It was great to see. And these are teams who play people who probably been hating on the Knicks for years, but it was a beautiful sight to see. It was a hell of a game, but I'm going to let you take it away because you are the Knicks fan. What happened? Like the Knicks had kind of pulled away late. Not nothing major were up six and looked like they were going to be able to maintain it. And they just kept letting the Hawks back in the door. And obviously a great player such as Trey young capitalizes on when you need to be great, how you create your legacy. This is the start of it right here. He's in the playoffs and he hits the game winner, but. Like just what happened? What was the what was the first off? What was the feeling when Trey Young hit that floater? What what where were you at mentally? <laughs> That's where I was mentally. Uh, it, this game has a lot had a lot of emotions, right? There's times where, or right, maybe Atlanta's gonna pull away, and or maybe the Knicks are gonna pull away, especially late with the Knicks, you know, but. You know, I, I don't like some of the, the you know the coaching. To say and, and listen, Tibbs is my Frank you know, coming in at the end of the game was I just the worst and, but, call and it's it's unexpected from Tibbs. Like he's been no, a great coach all year. It's, it's that's been the thing that's been his thing is he'll put Frank in simply because of a matchup, and Frank hasn't played a single. Now it's one thing if Frank's playing and, and he's 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 in the game and he's got a feeling. You know he's got game. You know um, he, he's got his feeling. He knows what he's doing. If I put you, I don't care if you're an NBA player or whatever, and how good you are at any level. If I put you in the last minute and you haven't played, I can't expect you to make a play. So he you put don't even Frank, have your legs under you. You he don't, don't have, even have his leg. your legs up Frank, under you. Frank, listen, and, and listen, you got to give credit to Trey Young too because his handling was a big reason. Why. I mean, he, the, the the moves he made on that play to get to the basket to get past Frank was tremendous, and I just don't like that that. You put in Frank and Cole, and you set him up to fail, and that's exactly what happened. He came in, Trey Young cooked him, got to the basket, floater, 
and with point nines. And then the the then with point nine, listen, I know there's not a lot you, you can do with point nine, right? You can't because I remember Stephen A was was like, oh, you could have he could have you know uh, tipped the pass and gave it back to Burks. It's like you can't do all that in point nine point seconds. Nine, like- what are you talking about? And he kept going. Like, yeah, you can't. And then I remember Michael K was like, I, I don't know about that, Stephen, but okay. You know, and it's like, no, you're wrong. You can't do all that in ninth. But what you can do is try to get something around the, or just go for the three, go for the W. Or give it point. to the hot man. And that was Alec Burks. I mean, he but took the play call over. was bad, though, because Julius Randall has his back to the bat. You can't turn around. You're too big to turn around a point nine and get a shot off. And he didn't get the shot off. So I don't like the play call. They should have did something to the basket or have Randall, you know, uh, take it out and, and see if Burks hit the three and you try to win the game. Hey, you know, it's point nine. You know, miraculous shot happens. You win the game. And, and Burks you know, was Burks. the hot hand. He, exactly. He took he had over the fourth quarter. He took yeah. what he had 18 in the fourth quarter. He yeah, was on he fire. He got whatever he wanted. Uh, he made a name for himself. And the reason why if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm not tripping is the same reason I'm a Heat fan. I'm not I'm not panicking right now. My best players didn't play good. My best player for the Knicks did not play good. And we still, down to the wire, had an opportunity. I mean, it was the worst game Julius Randle has played in, what, over a month? Like, we haven't seen him play that bad. And I don't think that'll be a trend because it's the playoffs. I just think he had one bad game. It happens. But the fact that the Knicks have enough dog in them, Derrick Rose and Alec Burks was able to step up, that makes the difference in – I mean, I think the Knicks take a game, too. You know, I don't see them losing two in the Garden. I mean, if you thought the Garden was rocking the first game, all the pressure of not trying to go down 2-0 going to have the Garden rocking even more. The crowd going to be even more engaged to make sure that it is rocking and, and they give the Knicks as much home court advantage as they can. But, I mean, it just comes – everybody did what they were supposed to do except Julius Randle, and it's okay. He had a bad game. Get him next yeah. time. You're a great player. You're the all NBA player. Has to be better. RJ, RJ has to play, and then Alfred Payton situation. Listen, I haven't ragged him the way maybe I should have this year because he didn't really play. You know, he had his moments, you know. Yeah. And he's done some good things defensively, his ability to get the basket, but man, like, he was awful. Like, yeah, the fact he was starting, and he's only, he, he only played eight minutes, but he didn't do nothing in those eight minutes. He literally, well, he had one assist. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. To me, you know, if he does the same thing in game two and, and they somehow lose this game and lose straight up lose home court advantage, game three, you gotta start Derrick Rose. You gotta start. Yeah, you gotta stop making him effective off the bench and it he's so effective that it I mean, everybody's like he should be a starter and I mean this guy is a starter. Like I know he's a clay he's essentially injury, is a starter, but he's a, you need, you want to start off the game. You need him two. in the game off the rip. You need Trey because Trey Young, he's not a defender. I don't care. You know, he's a great player, but he's not a defender. And oh, so no. Trey Young know. will have a problem having to guard Derrick Rose. And you talking about possibly getting a guy like Trey Young in foul trouble early, having to stick with Derrick Rose. Uh, how do you want to look at it? You know, you can't put DeAndre Hunter on him or nothing like that. But I mean, you know, we'll see. Game two, there's no no overreaction. They gotta make Trey work on defense, like you said. Before. Like they gotta, gotta make, make him work. work. So Derek, it's starting Derrick Rose. You, you know, Derrick Rose loves going downhill. You, if you, you make him work in early some, in some, and make him work defensively, you know, I, I, that's the thing is like, I, you know, him and quickly can make him work. You know, make him have mm-hmm. to go through screens and just get him a little bang. You know, get him a little tired. 
You know, I think they need to do that with Alfred Payton there. What does Trey have to do? He don't need worry about Alfred Payton. He's not anything. a scorer. He's not, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. not the most productive. So, I mean, you know, but like I said, like it's, it's not panic time for the Knicks. It's not panic time for any of these teams, obviously, unless, you know, after game two, you're down 2-0, you, you, you panic a little bit, depending on the situation, whether, you know, if you lost home court advantage completely. But we'll move on to the final game of Sunday night, and that was the Grizzlies and the Jazz. Uh, that actually turned out to be a great game. The uh, really Grizz game. won 112 to 109. Obviously, I think the Grizzlies, they did what they were supposed to do. They stole one in Utah with no Donovan Mitchell. Had they have lost this game with no Donovan Mitchell, and you know, a report came out this morning that Donovan Mitchell expected to play that game. He's kind of pissed that the organization held him out, whether, you know, the team made that call to hold him out. And I think the Jazz probably made the smart move and like, look, we don't know if you're ready. I mean, you say you are, but you don't want to miss a playoff basketball. But game one of a long playoff run that we plan on making isn't going to determine the rest of this series. I mean, do the Grizzlies win if Donovan Mitchell plays? I don't think so. But they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They won the game when the team's best player was out. And that was what I got from this was first off, Dylan Brooks played amazing. I got to give him his flowers. He played so great. So you know, good. you need role players to step up in big moments. That's exactly what he did. He had one hell of a game. John Morant kind of went where he left off against Golden State. Obviously didn't drop 30 plus, but he, he had an impact, you know, job. A a future star like that. That is another future star. Future MVP. Jazz, future MVP. Future MVP. I don't know if I want to go that far. I'm saying that. Put it in the air. That he was in my top. You know, he was my top 25 under 25 list that I wrote for Off the Ball Network. He he was, I believe, in the top five, and I think he will be in a future MVP. I mean, hey, y'all heard it here first, Chris. So when he does win his MVP, I need my guy Chris to get his flowers. But the Jazz. The, the the most concerning thing, you know, before we close out, you know, Donovan Mitchell is their best player. A lot of people try, you know, is it Rudy Gobert? Is it Donovan Mitchell? It's Donovan Mitchell, and that showed last night. They were missing a lot offensively. I mean, what, Bogdanovich was their leading scorer? I mean, you talking about a possibility of uh, you you talking about a possibility. Donovan Mitchell could have ate that series. I don't think Dylan Brooks is a great defender. Uh, but I don't think he would have been able to do nothing with Donovan Mitchell. And, and it basically, Clarkson was awful, too. All Clarkson yeah, and, and Clarkson he, he didn't, didn't make a three. The, he, he didn't have like the game that we expected. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Donovan Mitchell, though, because Jordan Clarkson has to try and fill that void and continue his role as a six-man. But his scoring has to step up with no D. Mitch. And this is the playoffs. People play defense. This isn't the freelance and go drop 30 whenever you feel like it. Things tighten up. Adjustments are made. These are long series. It's the best of seven. Halftime adjustments are more enhanced. Coaches are more engaged. It's the playoffs. It's all every game is all or nothing. This isn't the regular season where I right, it's Tuesday night, fellas. I know we're losing, but we'll be okay. I'm gonna rest some of the start. No. You know, if my starter has to play, if my star has to play 42 minutes for me to get this W, then that's what we gotta do. And that's the type of adjustments coaches make. So I do think. I don't think the Jazz are in trouble. Let's not panic. Donovan Mitchell didn't play. He said he was good to go. You know, it kind of threw him off last minute that he wasn't going to be playing. So, but you know, before we close out, what were your what were your thoughts on the Grizzlies and Jazz game? I love this Grizzlies team, man. It, it, I love John Morant. Absolutely love John Morant. I, I love Dylan Brooks. It, Memphis, the way they built this team, you know. 
they they take chances on guys in the draft that are kind of older guys, you know, because a lot of teams don't like, you know, the upside of some of the older guys who are three, four year guys. Mm-hmm. But this Memphis team takes those chances on those guys, um, you know, like Desmond Baines and Dylan Brooks, you know, uh, Brandon Clark, who was playing, you know, who was playing before, you know, Grayson Allen and all that. They take chances on these guys and, um, you know, Ty Jones, uh, Ty Jones, you know, from national champion, they take chances on these older guys, you know, older college guys, and they just know how to play the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. They just know how to play the game of basketball. And to me, that was why they, they won. They just shared the basketball and, and Dylan, listen, I don't think Dylan Brooks should be taking 20, you know, I think he took, uh, 20, 26 shots. You don't want Dylan Brooks taking 26 shots, but he, he was feeling himself and he had a mm-hmm. good game. And John Morant, you know, was efficient. I think he was 11 or 20 from the field. He played good. You know, Valanciunas did his thing, another double double. They, they, you know, they, if they can get one more guy, I know Jaron Jackson's come back from injury. And if they want to win this series, they need Jaron Jackson to do more. You know, um, mm-hmm. I know he's not, he's not going to play a lot of minutes because he just coming, he just came back from injury, but. You're going to need a little production from him, you know, in, in his 20 to 25 minutes he'll play on a nightly basis. But this Memphis team, they came to play. They took advantage of Donovan being out. And if Donovan, you know, Donovan's going to come back for game two, most likely he'll be available to play. How effective he'll be is going to be the question. So if you're, if you're Memphis, you keep attacking the way you did and try to steal another one and go back to Memphis and, 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 and try to steal a series, you know, like I said, I, I like this Memphis team. I love John Morant. You know, uh, he's he's going to be a special player, an MVP one day. And uh, this this Utah, you know, we, we everyone talked, and Utah is one of those teams where do we believe that they're truly the best team in the West? Right? It's something we weren't sure, and you know, things can not go their way and, and Memphis could slip on can can slip uh can uh sneak in and win this series so you know it's gonna be interesting to see we'll see how you know uh Utah bounces back they need Clarkson to be way much better uh Mike Conley you know he he had a solid game but he wasn't as efficient you know they need that scoring point so um it's gonna be an interesting game too but uh, I like this Memphis team a lot yeah 100 percent and uh you know bro I appreciate you for coming on Definitely a dope show. So obviously, close out, bro. Tell us where we can find you. You know, tell the people what we what we up to and and where to expect to see us and any projects you got coming up. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, appreciate you having me on the show, brother. Always a pleasure. And like I said, you can follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm active on Twitter. Off the ball pod. Um, my personal handle. I don't even know. I think it's real LeBron eighty. Yeah, real LeBron eighty nine. I don't even use. I don't even know why I have to have that one. You know, but uh. Uh, obviously go follow off the ball network, you know, dot com. Go to off the ball network.com. We got articles up there, some good articles. We got some uh some more articles in, in the works. And you could catch me. I my show's on Dash Radio every every Monday. You can listen to it at noon. You know, I um didn't get to do a show this week, but um, you know, we got the two K stuff. So make sure to check the Mo, Delani, Edgar, you know, Chris, you know, we got we got uh everyone from off the you know we got off the ball, never representing you know, the NBA 2K League for the post game show. So check that out Wednesdays through Saturdays. You know, uh, tip off starts at seven. You know, uh, we just had, you know, the Timberwolves gaming just won the championship. So um, it's going to be a fun, fun season. 
you know, uh, for the 2K League. But you can catch me there. Like I said, active on Twitter, you know, um, and all that. So you catch me there. Like I said, appreciate you having me on, brother. Yeah, 100%. Y'all know where to find me, wherever you're listening, Up in Flames Pod, on Twitter, Instagram, all underscore cheese 15 for my personal account. And like I said, make sure y'all t- tune in whenever you can. It, it gets a little late for some of y'all, but a lot of us are late night vampers and be up. So if you're up, make sure you download the a Dash Radio app. A lot of late Radio nights this app. week, bro. A lot of late nights this week. Yeah, exactly. But make sure you download Dash Radio and favorite the Nothing But Net channel. Uh, and follow us on all our social media to know when we're about to go live. We stay pretty engaged to let everybody know. Definitely make sure you support um, Off The Ball Network on Dash Radio. I mean, we're everywhere on their radio station right now. And like I said, we're covering the 2K League. We got a lot of things coming. All eyes are on us. Uh, everybody who's a part of the 2K League community, look for us to break down every game at the end of the night. So it's definitely been fun. Great opportunity. I appreciate, you know, Rob and Aaron over there at the Nothing But Net channel for basically giving us this opportunity and making it happen. And, you know, we're, we're going to make them proud. We're going to do what we do as a network. And that's just continue to produce great content. And, you know, moves are coming. I mean, we always say this, but we every time we tell you a week or two later, we have an announcement that something else is coming, another opportunity. So, you know, we don't just tell you big moves are coming to keep you tuned in and you know hoping that something happens some stuff is happening uh we got some other moves in the works we're we're planning we're plotting and you know we're trying to take over so ride the wave with off the ball network right now because it's it's getting too it's starting to get to the time where it's going to be too late we remember our viewership we remember the people who was there when we were nothing but new podcasters who didn't have a didn't have a vision didn't have a plan and just was talking sports and now you know what i'm saying there's a lot of great things going on at off the ball network but i appreciate everybody for tuning in appreciate everybody for listening whether you caught it live or you're listening on the audio and on that note up in flames is out